0: Mark Down the middle, scores! Matias
1: short shorthanded goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas gets the Knights back in the lead! is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
2: Welcome in, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, live inside T-Mobile Arena, Section 104 from the flight deck. Back in the studio, Chris Chapman. Inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the woo. Woo! I'm telling you, man, I I decided to go into the woo, and then I realized I shouldn't go into the woo because Chris Chapman has to be the guy to woo, and, and I, I think I'm just really, really jacked up and ready to go for this game. Vegas Golden Knights, the Washington Capitals. We've got you covered for the next two hours here, and then I will make make way for myself on the pregame show starting at 6 o'clock. We've got Darren Elliott coming up on the pregame show. Jesse Granger uh, will also be stopping by on the pregame show, so double duty for Jesse Granger here because he's going to be joining us in just a few moments. Uh, hour number two is going to be interesting. We're going to get to some sound from – Morning Skate today, we're going to dig into what the expectation is for the Golden Knights in goal tonight. Some, some stuff to be gleaned, some information to be gleaned uh, from Morning Skate earlier today. We've also got a power play to the playoffs in which we are going to take a look at the numbers. We're going to look at where the Golden Knights are at right now, what they need to do the rest of the season, and how much help they're going to need from the teams ahead of them all over all the teams ahead of them right now. They're tied right now with the Vancouver Canucks. You are chasing down the Los Angeles Kings, the Dallas Stars, and the Nashville Predators. So got one-timers an hour, number two. It's going to be a fun two hours. It's going to fly by, and then we're going right into a pregame show for a game in which the Golden Knights are simply going to need to find a way to get two points, and you've got to find a way to shut down Alex Ovechkin. But joining us right now, and for the better part of this first segment is Jesse Granger with The Athletic. Uh, hey, Jesse, how you doing, buddy?
1: Good, how are you?
2: I'm good. So how how busy have you been today?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been a busy day. Between uh, writing the normal stories, did my podcast on The Athletic this morning, had some TV stuff, doing some radio stuff, and happy to be on here.
2: So let me ask, like, how, how early do you have to wake up to do the podcast? It's pretty early. So so it's it's the national
1: show um, and I'm the only person that's not on East Coast time for for my for my Wednesday show. So for them, it's like, okay, well, let's 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 get on and start talking about it at 10 o'clock. But for me, that's 7 a.m. So, yeah, I mean, I I I fully realize a lot of people out there with kids are are listening, saying um, six o'clock in the morning is not early, Jesse. But for me, um, me and my two cats and no children, it is very early.
2: Yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, it doesn't really matter what time I get home from a game. I, I'm always up at, like, 6.30 or 7 o'clock because I've got kids and, and they have needs. And let me tell you, as soon as they're up and as soon as they're hungry, I am getting called upon. But, you know, I, I get it for you. Like, it, it's it's a blessing, right, to be on uh, the, the West Coast because you get to see so much hockey. You get to catch the games at, like, the best times possible. Um, and, and now... Getting up to do a podcast—that's like maybe the only time where you regret West Coast time because uh, you've got to get up earlier than everybody else.
1: Yeah, West Coast time is the best Coast time for
2: sure. <laughs> All right, so let's let's dig into um, let's dig into the game against the New Jersey Devils first, and then we will work our way toward this one tonight against the Washington Capitals. So, um, what went wrong against the Devils, Jesse?
1: I mean. I I think it's kind of just a continuation of what this team has struggled with when the stakes are the highest. And Mm -hmm. to me, um, I feel like we've almost had a hard time identifying the scoring problems with this team because they aren't always there, right? Mm -hmm. Like like they they lose to Dallas in the Western Conference Finals two years ago, and we think, okay, between that series and the Vancouver series, this team has problem scoring goals. But then they – the, next, the following season, they, they're they like one of the highest-scoring teams in the NHL, so you say, okay, maybe they fixed it. And then it happens again against Montreal. And now we're seeing it again, this time not in the playoffs. And, by the way, not against elite competition either. I think it has less to do with the, the talent of the teams the Golden Knights are playing and more to do with when the stakes get high, this team struggles to put the puck in the net. And we've seen it time and time again for three years, and now we're seeing it again this year against a. a New Jersey team that, quite frankly, is awful. They they aren't good defensively. They they don't do much of anything good. And they had a goalie in net that hasn't even really played in the NHL for like five seasons. And, and the Hamburglar is a great story, but he's not a very good goalie. And the Golden Knights simply couldn't score against him. You hear the players talk about it after the pressure that they're under. Pete DeBoer said that the pressure, the situations they put themselves in, they're not – it's not easy to play hockey that way. And I think – That is very telling. I think this team has shown that when the stakes get the highest, they're struggling to score, and it's something they've got to figure out.
2: Yeah, I guess kind of the question is, that, like, why, right? Because for a, a team that can regularly put in three, four, five goals uh, in games throughout the season, it, 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 it's confounding that there are moments within a season where you just, you're just unable to find that next goal. And, you know, Pete DeBoer called it a, a historic issue for this team where, you know, in, in big-time moments, the offense dries up. Like, how do you fix it?
1: Oh, if I knew how to fix it, I'd probably be behind the bench. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I don't know. I do know, that, I do know that it requires creativity in the offensive zone. I think yeah. the Golden Knights, when, when you see them in transition, they're so dynamic. They're so creative. They're, they, when, when this team goes to the net directly when entering the zone, and they're not within the structure of the offense, and all 10 players aren't in the same zone, they're so creative and they score goals, and not just goals. They score pretty goals, like that one-timer that Jack Eichel had the other night. This team scores, has so much talent and so much skill in transition, but then for whatever reason, when they get into their offensive set and the all ten players are in the offensive zone, they just, that creativity goes out the window. Max Pacioretty, we, we spoke to Max Pacioretty yesterday, and he, he kept saying, we need lateral passes. We need to get the goalie moving. We need to pass the puck sideways through the slot through the crease and to me that's the that's the answer but how you get to that and how you get the players to execute that that's an entirely different story and and i personally do not know how they do it something that that they've got they've got to figure out in these next five games if they're going to make a run here and and more so to me they've got to figure out this off season if this team is ever going to reach its potential
2: you know it's interesting that you bring up Patrice's comments from yesterday because you're right. He was talking about kind of making an extra play in order to find better quality looks. And then you know the the thing that that kind of struck me there was Pete DeBoer yesterday uh, was talking about getting pucks to the net for second and third opportunities. Do do those two do those two messages feel like they are moving in the right moving in the same direction, or uh, is there is there maybe a little bit lost in translation between them?
1: I think there's I think there's a disconnect. I think I think DeBoer is is kind of along the lines of look if we get pucks to the net even if the goalie saves it it's going to create second chances it's going to create scrambles in front it's going to create dirty goals whereas Pacioretty was kind of saying if you fire the goal he, he used the word pillows if you fire the puck into the goalie's pillows you're just giving that guy confidence and and we talk all the time about how the Golden Knights have a tendency of making goalies look better than they are and that's kind of what Pacioretty was getting at is like Sometimes trying to pick the corner and, and trying to have the perfect shot and missing the net is actually a better shot than putting it on goal, giving the goalie an easy save, letting him feel the puck, feel into the into a rhythm. And then when he has to face a difficult shot, suddenly that goalie has a ton of confidence. I think there's a disconnect between the players and the coaching. And I think what that comes from is just a lack of confidence and a lack of answers. I think this team has been trying to answer this question for multiple seasons, and they haven't been able to. And when the players can't execute it and the coaches don't have answers for how to fix it, I think they all are left searching a little bit, and I think that's how you get a disconnect.
0: You know, something else Max kind of pushed back on was the idea of it being a, quote, historical thing with this team. Uh, I, I disagree with him, but I, I, I just wonder, like, what 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 was the moment or where do you think the moment was where, where things kind of trended in that direction where this team was going to have a very difficult time scoring really important goals in must-win games? Like was there a specific period or was there a specific game? Was there a specific goal that kind of set this in motion?
1: Um well the one i always point back to is the Vancouver series in the year that they played in the bubble, and and we kind of remember the Golden Knights scored a bunch of goals early in that series, and then Travis Green decided, you know what, we're going to pack it in, we're going to play really tight shell defense around our net, we're going to force things to the outside, and I think that it worked, and I think it also kind of set up a a blueprint that, so so I don't want to be too hard on Pete DeBoer's system, because I think Pete DeBoer's system is a great one, and I think it, it has helped the Golden Knights break out of their own zone much more effectively than they did prior. But I do think that with every coach, with every system, there are going to be deficiencies. Nothing is perfect. If there was a perfect system, then all, all 32 teams would run it. And I think one of the deficiencies in Pete DeBoer's system is I think it lacks creativity in the offensive zone, and I think, it, I think it emphasizes possession over getting dangerous looks. And I think what that does is it keeps the puck to the outside of the zone. So when the team's keeping the puck to the outside of the zone, the other team decides, you know what, we're going to let you keep it out there. You can shoot as many as you want from out there. I think it gets a little predictable and not as creative, and goalies are able to predict where the shots are coming from, and they're able to look better than maybe they should.
2: You, you know, an interesting thought on, on the system, too, is that in order to play kind of a shot suppression style where you're holding on to pucks in the offensive zone, you're keeping things to the outside, uh, one, you have to have confidence that you're going to be able to find enough goals. And two, you've got to be able to keep the puck out of your own net by suppressing chances. And, you know, I, I think that the argument could be made this year that the Golden Knights. Because they've been chasing games and because they've been chasing offense, uh, that aspect of the game, the, the defensive side, has really been one that struggled and put them into tough situations. How much has kind of the the lack of detail defensively hurt the Golden Knights this year?
1: Yeah, I think for sure. I also think that they they deserve some some like benefit of the doubt in terms of you're missing guys like. Key, sure. key defensemen like White Cloud and Alec Martinez for most of the season. Braden McNabb missed missed po- portions. And when those guys got back in the lineup, the defense has been better. Like honestly, I didn't I didn't think the Devils generated much of anything offensively in that game. I thought I thought certainly in the last like ten games, the Golden Knights defense has been much better. Like we, we talk a lot about Logan Thompson's run and how good he's been, but I think a lot of Logan Thompson's success has been He's been playing solid, and the team in front of him has been playing great. Like I think the Golden Knights have gotten better defensively as the season's gone on, and they've gotten healthier. But I do agree with you and Pete DeBoer. Like I I spoke to Pete DeBoer this morning, and I asked him, like, what do you think's the key? Like, what what is the emphasis to the players early in this game? And he's he's said this multiple times over the last couple seasons, but he really emphasized it today that scoring first is key. He he really does just feel like this team is built to play from in front and if they get behind they they struggle and it just kind of it, it emphasizes weaknesses when they're having to play from behind and chase the game so i think you're spot on there ryan
2: jesse granger with the athletic joining us here on the vgk insider show as we go in depth on the golden knights loss the other night to the new jersey devils and looking to uh rebound with a better game a better uh better result tonight against the washington capitals so you know jesse i think we we can't really get around it right like we have to talk about goaltending. We have to talk about where the Golden Knights are going to go tonight in goal. Robin Leonard did not take part in morning skate. Logan Thompson was on the ice. It would appear for extra work after morning skate. So who's going? Nothing's official yet until uh, we see who leads the Golden Knights out for warm-up. But who's going tonight for the Golden Knights? And, and if it is Robin Leonard, kind of give us some insight into into why you think that's the decision being made.
1: Yeah, so we were all kind of surprised when we walked out of media today, and everyone was off the ice except for Logan Thompson, who was out there working with the assistant coaches. And for five years covering this team, if a player is the last one on the ice working with assistant coaches after practice, he's not playing that night. So, yeah. pretty good indication that we expect Robin Leonard to start tonight. Um, it's a surprise, I think. A lot. I think after Robin Leonard's game on against New Jersey, which wasn't good. Like, I don't I don't think Robin Leonard was the reason they lost that game. The team as a whole wasn't good enough. But Robin Leonard wasn't good enough either. And I thought, especially after Pete DeBoer's comments following that game where he placed a lot of the blame at the feet of Robin Leonard, I thought, for sure, Logan Thompson would be playing tonight. Um, that doesn't look like it's the case. You try to think of why, and it's like, okay, Robin Leonard isn't in the best form right now. Logan Thompson is, is, is the hot goalie. That would kind of lead you to the logic of playing him. But... The only thing I keep coming back to is if, if Pete and the Golden Knights are still holding on to the hope that, look, we can win five games in a row here, we're going to get some help, we're going to sneak in, and we're going to go on this run that everyone has been talking about since midway through the season when everyone said if this team gets healthy, they can go on a run. And I think in Pete's mind, the only way that happens mm-hmm. is, with, is if Robin Letter returns to form. For the last three seasons, leading up to this one, Robin Leonard's been one of the best, most consistent goalies in the league, and they need him to be that goalie if this team is going to make this miracle run. It's the only way. Um, I think if you're trying to win tonight's game, I, th- I personally think Logan Thompson is probably the better option. He's been playing better. I think Robin Leonard's still playing with injuries. He doesn't look himself. His lateral movement is not good at all. His his rebound His rebound control itself has been decent, but his – recovery after the rebounds, he just doesn't look himself. I I still, every time I watch him play, I can't help but think, man, this guy's playing through injuries. I, Like I said, if I'm trying to look for a reason why to start Robin Leonard tonight over Logan Thompson, it's got to be, it's got to be, our perfect scenario is Robin Leonard getting healthy. Let's just try everything we can to get that to happen.
0: How much of it do you think goes, or how much of this do you think goes into the decision? They played this team back in January, they beat them one nothing. Robin Leonard was in net that night. Do you feel like maybe that has something to do with it? Hey, Robin played really well against these guys the last time we played them. We shut them out. Could that have anything to do with it, or does that not even matter?
1: I mean, for me, it wouldn't. Um, I, I don't know if if that's if, if Pete DeBoer and goalie coach Mike Rosati, maybe that factors into their conversation. For me, it doesn't really matter because back then, when, when Robin Leonard shut the Capitals out, that was when Robin Leonard was playing great. I mean, early in the season, his stats weren't good, but that's because he was playing behind an AHL team. I mean, the, the the entire team in front of him was injured. He was playing out of his mind. He was holding this team in games they didn't belong in, and he was playing really well. and And that kind of that trip where they went to Washington and shut the Caps out was sort of the end of that. Um, it was right before Robin started having his his injuries and started missing time. So to me, I, I kind of. That game doesn't factor into my, if it was me, it doesn't factor into my decision much because I don't think Robin is the same goalie he was back then. I don't think he's in the same physical condition. I don't think his his game is in the same spot. I don't think he's in the same form that he was then. And, and for goalies, I mean, when you're feeling it, you're feeling it. When you're not, it feels like you're fighting the puck. It feels like every bounce goes against you. And I just, I don't think Robin Leonard's the same goalie as the one that shut out the Capitals earlier in the season when he was healthy.
2: And it's it's uncharacteristic for him, right? Like we, we're talking about a goalie that throughout his entire career has been incredibly consistent, whereas if you give him a read and you give him a lane and you take away unpredictable things that could happen like tips out front when a shot's coming through or you allow him to see the release point, more often than not, he's making that save and he's making it uh, in a way in such a manner that Rebounds aren't coming out, and and so I guess kind of the uncharacteristic way that goals are being scored right now leads you to believe that whatever the case may be, he's he's just not comfortable in net.
1: A perfect example for me is the second goal against New Jersey. So it's the one where the the Devils shot it in high, and everyone's gonna everyone focuses on Robin reaching up and trying to glove it and dropping it, and everyone says that's the huge mistake right there. Like I can't believe he didn't catch that puck. And yes. That's a mistake, but also hockey's fast. Things happen. You're going to bobble pucks. You're going to drop them. To me, that's not the issue with that play. That's not what concerns me. What concerns me is Robin Leonard drops into butterfly once the puck falls in front of him. The puck slides over to to his left where the player has it on the doorstep. Robin sees that player with the puck on his stick. I'm blanking on who it was for the Devils right now, but he sees the guy with the puck on his stick. And, st- and, like, Leonard, he plays his angles so well. That's what makes him a good goalie. He plays his angles. He gives you nothing to shoot at. Remember when the Golden Knights first got Leonard and, and everyone was like, man, it doesn't even look like he's doing anything in there. It's because he's always on angle. He's yeah. when, when, when you're always in the right spot, the saves look easy. They hit you in the chest. They hit you in the shoulder. You're not making these diving, reaching saves, right? Well, on that play, he sees the puck. He's on his knees. His puck goes to his left. Nine times out of ten, Robin Leonard is digging his right skate into the ice. He's pushing over to his left, and he's going to be sitting there with his entire body in front of that puck, and there's nothing to shoot at. Mm-hmm. But instead, he reaches his arm and his leg over. He didn't, even, he didn't move his body at all. He didn't use his skates at all. All he did was just reach his arm. That's not the, how Robin Leonard plays goalie. Robin Leonard doesn't make reaching, spectacular, acrobatic saves. He's just not built to do it. To me, he just doesn't look like he's, he's playing his game at all.
2: No, I, I, I mean, I think I, like, I agree with that on premise, right? Like, it's, it's one of those situations where the, the, the reads – the the ability to be square and in position at all times, and then obviously in a play like that where it's a bit broken and you're 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 trying to react with with Robin, it's all about getting over and getting to where you need to be as big as possible. And you know, for for Robin to kind of not have that dialed in, that's where you start to see some of the the exposures. And then you know, I. I i get it you're gonna look at the the second goal from the new jersey devils you, you want a different play made on that one and then you know as as much as i've watched this goal the the third goal uh, i'm convinced that the expectation or the thought process was alex petrangelo was able to strip that puck off of jesper boquist like that's what i think happened and and that's why you know it, it seems so surprising when the puck went in because Robin was looking to where he expected the puck to be because I think he thought his defenseman took that puck away.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And that one that one was like a bang-bang play. I mean, that's it's tough without talking to Robin. It's tough to know what he saw in that play. But I do think that, again, I, I talked about his, his lack of mobility when he's on his knees. The guy was out with a lower body injury that, yeah. from what I heard, they, there was a Not that it was going to keep him out, but there was a fear it could keep him out the rest of the season. Now he's back and he's playing, and I I don't know if that lower body injury is fully healed. He looks like Leonard isn't the most mobile guy ever, like even he will say that. But Mm. even for him, it looks like he's just not moving around in the butterfly as well as he normally would. And I think on that play, that third goal, I think if Robin's feeling himself and he's feeling it and he's feeling good and he's moving well, I think even if you think Petrangelo's going to steal the puck, why not just go down to the reverse VH? Why not, why not just put your pad down on the ice as that chaos is happening a foot in front of the net? Just in case the puck flies on net, you've got your body there, you've got your knees there. But if you're not feeling good and you're not feeling confident and you, and you aren't confident in your ability to jump back up once you are down, maybe, maybe there's a hesitation to go down. I don't know, this is just us guessing without talking to Robin, but that's kind of how I read it.
0: All right, Jesse, want to switch gears a little bit because obviously tonight Capitals come in the team that, well, unfortunately has has some history with the Golden Knights and a player who has some history with the Golden Knights, and that's, of course, Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, We heard Pete this morning talk about just how special he is on the power play. Is it just as like when I watch him on the power play, it's almost like watching Steph Curry or Michael Jordan where no matter how good you set things up, he's just so good that he he's gonna make plays happen regardless of how you do things. Am, am I reading that correctly?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's he's got the best shot from that circle in the history of this league. Um, he he, if, if he gets the puck right there, you're in trouble. There's not a lot you can do. I also think that there's a lot of talent on that Washington team around him, and that power play unit is dangerous. And I think that's why it's so impossible to stop Ovechkin because. If, if you really wanted to, if you went into that game and said, you know what, Ovechkin is not scoring on the power play tonight, you could do it. Just put guys there. But you can't because they've got four other dangerous players on that unit that you can't shade too much. Like you shade a little, but you can't shade too much to Ovechkin's side. Otherwise, one of the other guys will burn you.
2: So Alex Ovechkin sitting on 48 goals this year. Um, I, he's an interesting player in that we talk about how much and how prolific he has been able – or how prolific he's been from scoring from that spot on the power play. But I think more than any other year, this year's been the one of versatility for Alex Ovechkin in scoring in different ways, backhanders, the ability to get to the front of the net. Uh, It hasn't just been a power play extravaganza. Is that the most surprising aspect of Ovechkin season for you not that he's at 48 goals is likely going to hit his ninth 50 goal season but the way in which he's been scoring most of his goals this year
1: yeah I would say the way and, and to be honest I think the the stuff he's doing outside of goal scoring like we had Tariq Al-Bashir our, our cast writer on the athletic podcast kind of earlier in the season and he was he was telling us that Ovechkin was on pace to—he to, was—he was averaging more assists per 60 than he ever has in his career. I've—I've um, I've seen multiple interviews and Caps players saying he's distributing the puck better than he ever has. Like, it's kind of weird to see a guy who should, by all accounts, be be going the opposite direction. Like, this guy should be falling off right now. We've all kind of said, like, well, maybe he'll, maybe they'll just trot him out there every year so he can get to Gretzky's goal streak. But he'll just be—he'll be a complete liability out there. But they want to get and it's a cool number so why not do it and that's not the case at all this guy's been one of their best players he's been awesome he's helping them in all phases uh i'm still not the the, the, the best bat checker but he does put effort in there and he's <laughs> he's making plays he's distributing the guy's playing like he's 25 years old it's unbelievable he's an absolute machine
2: so what's your sense on tonight's game
1: yeah man, no, it's, it's tough i mean i the golden knights have even this team even this golden knights team one that struggled it's, it's It's fought its way through injuries. Even this team has won some big games against some really good teams. You look back and they they played Florida really well. They played Nashville really well. They beat Tampa Bay. I mean, this team has shown up in big spots. So part of me says maybe this is one of those big spots. Um, But then the other part of me, I just, man, the feeling after that game, after losing to New Jersey, it's certainly – I mean, I know the season's not over and the players are going to say – we're, we're, there's no quit in this team. We've got to play until we're mathematically eliminated. But man, did that feel like the end of the season. So, I think especially if this game gets off to a bad start, if the Caps score early, um, it, it might be ugly. But but again, I, I I have a hard time counting this Golden Ice team out. They have they have they've shown up in these spots in the past.
2: So, if this Golden Ice team wins out and finishes the regular season with 97 points what direction makes the most sense for them to make the playoffs? Is it Los Angeles falling off? Is it one of Dallas or Nashville falling off? Or is it a situation where, you know, the Vancouver Canucks do enough damage down the stretch where they're the team that sneaks in? Like, if Vegas wins out, what's the most likely scenario in your mind for how the season ends for this team?
1: Yeah, I mean, if if the, I, honestly, right now, my, I, I think if they win out, they still might not make the playoffs. That's how much trouble they're in. Um, (laughs) These other teams are going to have to lose games that they just simply should not lose. Um, It happens, obviously, the Golden Knights we just saw against New Jersey. Um, The the Stars have lost some games against some bad teams, including that same New Jersey team lately. So it is possible. I think it's going to be tough. If I look at a team that I think they can catch, if I had to pick one right now, I'd go with Nashville. And that's just their schedule. It's the Kings literally don't play a real hockey team for the rest of the season, so I don't think they're going to be the team to, to fall back. Um, Dallas, their schedule's a little easier. The Predators have some tough teams. It's going to come down to this time of year, not all those tough teams have a lot to play for. So you're going to get a, a desperate Dallas team against some really talented hockey teams. But I mean, sorry, a, a desperate Nashville team against some really talented hockey teams that maybe don't have as much to play for. So maybe that schedule isn't as tough as it looks, but that would be my guess is Nashville.
2: All right, Jesse, I'm going to open it up to some NHL-centric stuff, so not anything specific to the Golden Knights right now. I just want to get uh, some of your thoughts on a couple of things that have been going on inside my head that I think are interesting talking points. Um, who? I know we talked about the Hart Trophy before, so I'm not going to go down that road, even though I know there's a push for Jonathan Huberdeau uh, to, to, to be among the those considered for the Hart Trophy. I, I want to go Jack Adams with you. like. When you look around the league and you look at some of the teams that have had really strong seasons this year and, and teams that have maybe either defied or, or you know, gone in a different direction from what their expectations were at the beginning of the year to where they are right now, like which coaches to you stand out this season as, as doing a phenomenal job and should be in line for uh, a Jack Adams? Uh,
1: well, the first name that comes to mind is Gerard Glantz. And, and obviously he's doing a phenomenal job in New York. They've turned things around. He's gotten a lot of help from his goalie. And I know there, there's, kind of a, there's kind of a cliche of like the, the Jack Adams goes to the coach that happened to have the best goalie that year sure. on a team that wasn't expected to do much, and that's exactly what the Rangers are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that Gerard Blanc did a good job changing the culture. I thought he, he did a brilliant job of creating the culture here in Vegas. I think he's done a good job of turning it around. Um, there can be a lot of pressure playing at Madison Square Garden in New York City, and I think he's got those players playing loose, and it shows. Um, but then some other guy, like I think Andrew Burnett deserves some some consideration. Mm-hmm. I think when this Panthers team started off hot and there were high expectations, when Joel Quinville stepped down, I think a lot of people thought, wow, what a what a devastating thing that is going to be for this team. They're going to fall apart. There's no way this team's going to be able to meet expectations with a first-time head coach, but Andrew Burnett has done amazing. If anything, they've gotten better since he's taken over. They're the best offense in hockey. They're the best offense in hockey since the 1995-1996 <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins that had Mario Lemieux. So, um, And that was back when the goalies weren't saving the high percentage that they are now. So uh, pretty impressive what they've done. And then the third one that I'll throw in, and I think Right now would probably be my lean towards coach of the year is Daryl Sutter. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's a guy who's had a ton of success throughout his career, but it's so impressive what the Calgary Flames have done this year. I know they've been the beneficiary of a lot of health. They haven't had many injuries, but they are just an absolute monster right now. And and coming into this year, it was kind of a 50-50. Will that team even make the playoffs? I think Mm -hmm. probably people would have leaned towards them maybe not making the playoffs. and, And they're right there with the Colorado Avalanche as the best teams in the Western Conference right now.
2: All right, last one for me, and then I'll give it to Chris Chapman for the final question um, before we let you go. Uh, who's the best defenseman in the league right now? Is it Kale McCarr or is it Roman Yossi? Oh
1: man, I'll, I'll go Kale McCarr. Um, he's so much fun to watch. I mean, he's he's the more dynamic of the two. He's yeah. he's not maybe the the veteran. He maybe not. He's maybe not as solid defensively as Yossi is. They're both offensive superstars, but. Kale McCart does things that just you shouldn't be able to do on ice skates, and I I can't get away from that. So uh, I'll go. Kyle for the best defenseman.
0: Boy, Ryan kind of put me on the spot here, having having to to finish hey, up I, with you. I've but... got another
2: one. If you don't uh, no, no,
0: no, one. no, no. I'm good, and and I want to go back to to the Capitals a little bit because it kind of seems like a, a a bit of the animosity and anger towards Tom Wilson has kind of gone away. Do do you get that sense too? I mean, look, Wilson was very. I, I would say he was very uh, – he said a lot of really great things about Las Vegas when he was here for the All-Star game, and I give him credit for that. But do you kind of sense that maybe there's not the anger and animosity towards him anymore as there was maybe a couple years ago?
1: Um, I think it's not <laughs> as much fun when you don't have Ryan Reeves to beat him up. Um, <laughs> to, to be <laughs> completely honest. Like, I, and, and, I, and I think it's the same thing with Evander Kane. Like, I think Golden Knights fans are still going to boo Tom Wilson. They're still going to boo Evander Kane but they aren't going to the game with the expectation of tonight Ryan Reeves is going to try to beat that guy up and and that's pretty much how it's been for 4 years and i think that just there's less focus on on Wilson and on Evander Kane when there isn't that on ice ver- <laughs> verbal battle and eventually <laughs> the fist battle that follows um, I, I definitely think the the exit of Ryan Reeves, it, it, it impacted the, the rivalry with the Sharks, and I think it impacts the, the, the rivalry between Vegas and, and Tom Wilson.
2: Um, all right, Jesse, I lied. I do have one more question for you, but you're going to get a kick Let's out of this it. one, I promise. Uh, is Kirill Kaprizov the best Minnesota Wild ever? Wow,
1: ever. Man, you know what, I... I, I I, on the spot, right here, I think maybe, but I, I'd have to go back and look. I mean, he—I think by the time he retires, it'll it'll probably be an easy uh, decision. He's <laughs> phenomenal. its easy right now. Won that team. It's easy right now. That team.
2: what? He's—it's easy right now. hes hes going away. The best wild player that's ever existed. Who—who's the second best wild player? Marion Gabrick. Okay.
1: All right, that's, that's good. Yeah, I mean, he he's freaking awesome. He's fun to watch. He's He literally turned a team that you can't stand to watch into must-watch hockey.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Hey, Jesse, uh, listen, uh, I know you're busy today. It's It's been a long one for you. It's, it's only half over. Uh, I'll be chatting with you in about two-ish hours' time on the pregame show, but thanks for jumping on. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for being generous with your time, uh, and I will chat with you in, in just a little bit.
1: Anytime. Thanks for
2: having me, guys. Jesse Granger with The Athletic joining us here uh, on the VGK Insider Show as we, we went pretty in-depth. We, we, we tried to be as thorough as possible about where the Golden Knights are at going into this game, what may have gone wrong in the last one against the New Jersey Devils, and how they can regroup tonight against the Washington Capitals. We're back with our power play to the playoffs next on the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
0: The VGK Insider's Power Play to the Playoffs here on Fox Sports Las Vegas is being brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas.
2: Power Play to the Playoffs, these segments brought to you by Sahara Las Vegas. They've been fun. Uh, They've been enjoyable to do, Uh, getting an idea, getting a clearer picture of where the Golden Knights are at in their push to make the playoffs. And as we've talked about here over the last couple of days, that push took a hit with that loss to the New Jersey Devils. There's no two ways about it. The Golden Knights needed those two points. When you when you factor in what teams around them have done, obviously not getting very much help yesterday in having the L.A. Kings beat the Anaheim Ducks in in frankly a really entertaining game. Like Chapman, I don't know if you were watching that game last night between Los Angeles and Anaheim, but did Jonathan Quick dialed the the clock back to 2012. He was in exceptional form for the los angeles kings john gibson had himself a fantastic game and both clubs played incredibly well anaheim included like you would not think that the ducks were eliminated from playoff contention the way that they played that game and it was real entertaining from top to bottom but not a favorable result for the vegas golden knights as la picks up two more points the kings have four games remaining they've got chicago anaheim seattle and vancouver currently zero playoff teams left on the schedule for the Los Angeles Kings LA with 92 points the best the Golden Knights can get to if they win out right now is 97 points so the tragic number for the Golden Knights is six points either points lost from Vegas's perspective or earned from LA's perspective and then you look at the wild card and it's muddled now because Vancouver, though they did lose last night to the Ottawa Senators, they lost in overtime. So you end up getting a point. The Vegas Golden Knights and Vancouver Canucks right now are tied in points, 87 for both clubs. Again, the best they can do this season if they win out is 97 points. And they are both chasing down not just Los Angeles, but Dallas, who has 91 points points left on or 91 points on the year they've got six games left Edmonton Calgary Seattle Vegas Arizona and Anaheim and then you've got Nashville with 93 points and five games left Tampa Minnesota Calgary Colorado and Arizona so I guess Chris Chapman let's assume the Golden Knights win out They've got 97 points. You've got L.A. with 92, Dallas with 91, and Nashville with 93. Which of those three teams are most likely, in your opinion, to open the door for the Vegas Golden Knights to make the playoffs if they win out and have 97 points?
0: Well, I you know, it's, it's tough. You, because you're five points behind Los Angeles. You do have the game in hand. But you need them now to lose two games. And I think maybe what you hope for is Vancouver plays well and they have something to play for in that last game against Los Angeles because I I, I would imagine that maybe if those guys have a shot to to, to make the playoffs as small as it might be in that game, they're going to give L.A. a game. Uh, I think more likely could be Dallas. I mean, they're playing Edmonton right now. They're in Calgary tomorrow, so, so two pretty tough games, right? Edmonton has something to play for still, kind of, in a way. And Calgary, while they don't really have something to play for, you, you have to think that they're still going to show up in that game. Um, and then Vegas plays them. So, I, you know, you, you're, you're four points behind Dallas, but they have that game in hand. you got to hope Dallas loses. You went out. Ryan, I, I'm being honest. I don't know. If there's if there's anybody that realistically they could catch outside of a catastrophic final four or five games for for somebody, and that involves Vegas having to win out. I mean, you, you can't go three and two, you can't go, you know, three one and one or whatever. You you have to win all five games, and you have to hope that that something really bad the Dallas Stars or the LA Kings, because I don't think you're catching Nashville. I think Nashville with that win last night over over Calgary, put themselves in, in a really good spot. I mean, you're six points behind Nashville. I just don't think that happens. L.A. Yeah, they have a, another game with the Ducks, but the Ducks kind of played as good of a game as they could have last night, and and <laughs> it, it was weird because I, I'm i watching that game, and, and I'm thinking, please don't let that goal count. Please don't let that goal count. Please let that be goal interference, and sure enough, it wasn't, and yeah. L.A. wins on, on that goal. Um, but it's, look, I I try to be realistic. I, I try not to be Mr. Uh, Mr. I'm going to sugarcoat everything. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like the odds. I really don't. And it's going to take a miracle. It's going to take a lot. Stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. And this team, I mean, you look at the players and, and you look at the experience. You've got guys who've won Stanley. You've got a guy who was the first player in St. Louis Blues history to raise a Stanley Cup. You've got Alec Martinez who scored a winning goal in the Stanley Cup final. So you have guys who who know what it takes, and you've got guys who aren't going to quit. Mm-hmm.
2: So it's interesting, right? Because like I, I think it's interesting that you went with Dallas and as as one of the teams that the Golden Knights might be able to catch if they win out. So ninety-seven points. The path for Dallas to get to ninety-eight would be. Some combination of seven points against Edmonton, Calgary, Seattle, Vegas, Arizona, and Anaheim. And I know we're not supposed to do this, but I'm going to anyway. If you pencil in, and it's very difficult to do this with the Dallas Stars because they're an enigma every single time down the stretch... to to secure a playoff spot. You just never know what you're going to get with the Dallas Stars. The games they're supposed to win, they lose. The games that they're not supposed to win, they win and they win handily and they look like they're a Stanley Cup contender. But I think we can reasonably pencil in victory against Seattle, victory against Arizona, and the last game of the year against the Anaheim Ducks. I just think with without Ryan Getzlaff, uh, it's going to be one of those situations because he's, he's not going to travel for that last game of the year. I, I don't think the Anaheim Ducks are going to win that game. So that gives them six points right there, 97 points. So you're you're asking for a Dallas Stars team to just pick up a point somewhere against Edmonton, Calgary, or Vegas, and and that game between the Golden Knights and Dallas Stars next week could be a massive one if Vegas does what they need to do over the next two against Washington and San Jose.
0: Yeah, but the, the 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 weird thing with Dallas, and you mentioned they are, they are a bit of an enigma mm-hmm. because last week they beat Tampa one yep. nothing, yeah, and then they lose in overtime, and that that overtime point for Minnesota could turn out to be a very huge overtime point, but then they 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 struggle against San Jose. Then they go on the road and get yeah. absolutely lambasted by the Canucks, and now they're in that Alberta swing. With it's funny they're doing the same exact road trip Vegas just came off of: Vancouver, yeah. Edmonton, Calgary. And yeah, yeah, yeah you kind of have to hope that Edmonton and Calgary can can beat them in regulation. And then if you're Vegas, that 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 could be that could be the game where where if it's going to happen it's going to take some teams not, not winning games. Obviously, you're going to need a lot of help. But I'm not so sure Anaheim just packs it in in that last game. I mean, maybe if Dallas has to win that game, they're, they're going to win it. But I think I think Anaheim, first of all, I, I think Dallas Aikens is, is not a guy who would allow those kids to pack it in. Like, I just get the sense that that team's playing to build something for next year, and I think they want to end on a really positive note, which is why we saw them play so hard last night. I mean... I think that it, it kind of went south for them a little bit, but but I think that they, they've got a talented team, and I think they're going to play hard. I just don't know if they're good enough to win that game, as you mentioned, without Ryan Getzlaff. And, um, you know, Seattle, Seattle, they, they're not good, but they've, they've shown up. They haven't stopped playing, so you have to hope. I, I, I The L.A. one is tough because they're playing a bunch of, of bad teams, and I think outside of Vancouver, you, you, you don't really pencil in because the, the, the Anaheim game is at home.
2: So let me, let me paint the picture on why I think it's still the Los Angeles Kings, regardless of their win last night against the Anaheim Ducks. I don't think that Dallas or Nashville are viable options. I just think they're too close to the Golden Knights' top end to not be able to get it done. Nashville, I think, is, is is going away, and Dallas, I think, in the same way. There's too many wins left on the schedule for the Dallas Stars, even as as hard as it is to read that team, for them to miss the playoffs. Now, the Los Angeles Kings are a different story because, as I mentioned, they well. It was a good game last night against Anaheim, but they were absolutely – Filled in in the second period, and if not for Jonathan Quick being phenomenal, right, they would have probably lost that game to the Anaheim Ducks. Even though Los Angeles is picking up wins recently, I don't think they've looked particularly good. I think they've been kind of lucky in the last two games to get the result. So... If you're looking at a team that from a trend and gameplay perspective hasn't really had it, it's been the Los Angeles Kings. If there's going to be an avenue for the Golden Knights, I still think it goes through L.A.
0: You know, I I look at L.A. and they've now won three of their last four and the, the one loss being an absolute laugher yeah, yeah. by the Colorado Avalanche. But yeah. you, you, the other three games, they beat Chicago. They, get, they Like at this point, it doesn't matter. We, we talk about it all the time on, on this show. It doesn't matter about... Getting, getting the process. It's about getting points. And while they're not going to get nines and tens from the judges as they pull their triple axel, they're still pulling the triple axel right now. And the, the funny thing is, as I kind of look at the schedule and the Golden Knights don't play their last, what, five games, only one of them is against a Pacific Division opponent, and that's yeah. the San Jose Sharks on Sunday. But... Pacific Division opponents could have a big say on whether or not the Golden Knights make the playoffs, and that's Seattle, Vancouver, and Edmonton, excuse me, Seattle, uh, Anaheim, and Vancouver. Those three teams are all going to have to help the Golden Knights if they're going to make the playoffs.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating stretch here, and it starts tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights as they take on the Washington Capitals, as we've mentioned The idea that this team has to win out to give themselves the best possible chance is very real, and you can't win five games in a row without getting the first one, and that has to happen tonight as the Golden Knights take Washington. This has been the power play to the playoffs. We're back with the play of the day next on the VGK Insider Show.
0: That was the VGK Insider's power play to the playoffs, brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas, here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
1: No chance to shoot for Stevenson. Centered. Eichel scores!
0: It's time for the Play of the Day on the VGK Insider Show.
2: VGK Insider Show Play of the Day comes courtesy of the Minnesota Wild. And if you've been paying attention, you know that I think Kirill Kaprizov is the best Minnesota Wild player ever. But it's not a Kirill Kaprizov goal that we're highlighting here. It's Matt Boldy going between the legs to score against Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens. Viola throws it toward the net.
1: Loose puck. Boldy set a wide. They score.
2: On the second try, Boldy deflects it in. Rebound from Carey Price. Boldy just pulls that one. But a nice little play between the legs. I think he actually banks it off of Carey Price on its way in here. Watch this between the legs, off of Price, back in the cage. Just a fantastic goal. If you haven't looked at it, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor, check it out. Boldy just goes between the legs off of Carey Price and in. Maybe it loses some luster because it doesn't go directly into the goal, but the fact that young players in this game right now are going to that move because it makes sense and because they're talented enough to do it is great for the NHL and the game of hockey moving forward. And Matt Boldy, a young player making an immediate impact for the Minnesota Wild in a year where this team has to take advantage of how good they've played and how well things are situated for them going into the playoffs. We're back with hour number two next on the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.